WMUN, all kinds of people, hosted by Dr. Joe Mashevitz, getting to know the people of Muncie and Delaware County, Indiana, in a way you've never heard before. It's another way we're using our voice to build our community from Woof Boom Radio and 92.5 FM, 1340 AM, WMUN. Here's your host, Dr. Joe. Hey, everybody. Top of the morning and welcome again to all kinds of people on WMUN, the talk of Muncie. I'm Dr. Joe, and I'm really delighted today to have in the studio Mr. Jim Lowe, the Associate Vice President of Facilities Planning and Management at Ball State. Jim Lowe, thanks for drifting down to Wolf Boom Studios. Dr. Joe, thank you for inviting me. Taking a little break yeah. from Ball State, where, by the way, friendly reminder to you, you started back in 1987. I did. So 36 years. A few years ago. A few years ago. A few years ago. Having been at Ball State myself, I'm quite familiar with this gentleman and what he provides to so many different areas. But before we get into some of that, I want to rewind a little bit, and let's go back to your hometown. I want you to go back to that hometown day, maybe elementary school, what the family was like. What do you remember about growing up? Share some of that with the audience, if you would. Well, I grew up in Muncie and lived all my life in Muncie. Only a few years did we not live in this location, but I went to all the elementaries that are no longer here, uh, the Rileys and the McKinley elementaries, the Emersons, have all since disappeared. The fading away the of the elementary The fading away schools. of the elementary school, but ultimately uh, moving to the town of Eaton for a couple of years. When we came back as a sixth grader, I attended uh, McKinley Junior High School and then on to Muncie Central. So I graduated from Muncie Central in 1973. Okay, and so. when you were there, what kind of things did you dabble in at Muncie Central? Actually, through the trade school, became interested in engineering in some respects, and uh, it was by virtue of that and some uh, help from some family members who were working for General Motors at the time introduced me to General Motors Institute, which is now Kettering University, which ultimately led me to apply for and work harder to become interested in science, uh, math, and technology, ultimately leading to an engineering degree. All that heavy-duty yeah. stuff that I just can't quite cope <laughs> with in my mind, by the way. But yeah. I am familiar with Kettering up in Flint, um, being a Detroit born and raised boy. Prior to coming to Ball State, you were at the GM? Yes. So Italy. technically started General Motors as an employee in 1973 uh, as a co-op student, going to school, coming back to work. Uh, started in the summer of 73, so I had a very short break right after graduation, but ultimately left General Motors in September of 1987, spending two short months at Westinghouse, hmm. until which time an opportunity became available at Ball State University, and I've been there ever since. What were we yeah. doing at Westinghouse, tinkering with refrigerators? I was <laughs> building large core transformers. <laughs> so. Wow, yeah. okay. 
I really want to get into a little bit of the changes at Ball State that you've seen, because I was there during part of that time. But I guess I want to back up again, take you back to high school. Um, What do you think triggered the interest in the engineering, the sciences, how things work? How can we save energy? How can we plug this in? All those little things that you have to deal with as you stroll through campus with, I can only imagine, email after email saying, hey, Jim, this isn't quite fun. Hey, Jim, the heat's out. Hey, Jim. (laughs) Those are opportunities. (laughs) Yeah, okay. That's a good way to look at it. Yeah. So the trigger point, I think, was the interest in all the sciences and the maths that came around in junior high school and some really, really great teachers that we had in the Muncie Community Schools at that time. And uh, a lot of them come to mind. A lot of them come to mind. Uh, But uh, that support that was in place for students who were that interested and then moving off into uh, the high school level with the support from those teachers as well. But uh, as a as a student, you need that so that uh, you can figure out what it is you do want to do. And I had no idea that it was engineering. I wanted to work at, believe it or not, NASA. I was going to go to I was going to go to a different engineering school and uh, eventually work at NASA, but uh, took a different uh, fork in the road. And that's how I ended up at General Motors. You're not doing any hobbies on the side, shooting space. I, I, I am not. <laughs> in I other not. people's backyards yeah. or anything? No. Yeah. no. <laughs> were, there, were there siblings in the family? Yes. I have uh, three brothers okay. and a sister, all okay. younger than me. I happen to be the oldest grandchild on one side of the family. So growing up, I would say I was probably first-generation college student okay. uh, going, going to uh, college. So, uh, yeah, very, very supportive family. Um, they still are. My, fortunately, my mother and father are still alive, so very supportive and uh, have, been, have been that um, pathway to make sure I get it right. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 I, I grew up as an only child, so I, I did not have the advantage of having to share things, in your case, with four other siblings. Yeah. Um, and I'm always curious to know how families drift off and go into different career paths and pursue different things, um, even though they're all in the same household, and what kind of triggers that. And I don't know if you recall any memories about them pointing at you saying, what are you doing? You're not going to be a NASA. You're not going to fly ships <laughs> right, or whatever. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think we were all uh, able to make those determinations on our own. And uh, what's interesting, all family, as you are children, same with our children, um, all have different desires and paths that they took as well. And you hope that those are fulfilling. And when they lead off into their lives and their careers, they have those fulfilling uh, careers that last, well, for many years. Yeah, for many years. For many years. Um, speaking about your family, I, I know that you drift out to Colorado once in a while to see grandkids. I do. Do we have other locations for other children? And <laughs> yeah. how's that travel plan? So I have three children. We I've been married to my wife Joy for forty six years. Congratulations on uh, that! Thank yes, you. and yeah, uh, the uh, one son and his wife, wonderful, wonderful people, uh, community, Fort Collins, Colorado, with two grandchildren, and then uh, my son and his wife live here in Muncie with two grandchildren, actually three. We, we lost one several years ago. And okay. my daughter, who lives here in Muncie, 
is not married, so I still have hope. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to expand yeah. those four grandchildren. <laughs> I do remember when we were prepping for the show, uh, you sending me a note saying, hey, it's 6.45 a.m. in Colorado, and i got to get this out to you before the kids get out. <laughs> yeah, right. Correct. I assumed that Grandpa was going to take care of everything once the kids got up, so that was a good note yeah. to get. Um, I, th I think it, when you talk about a career path being that long and the transitions that happen at a university in particular, mm -hmm. what do you think allows you to kind of keep track um, of the changes that have to happen um, and, and must happen uh, to make sure that everything as the university grows and expands keeps current and keeps efficient? That's quite a question. That is a uh, question. And we'll have yeah. time after yeah. the break to come back for more. <laughs> for more. Uh, I think it, it, it's that 35 years experience. So it didn't start day one. It didn't start day two. It didn't start five years in. Uh, as we promote routinely, we're all hopefully lifetime learners. Continue to learn. And I have. And I've been fortunate that I've had many mentors who have walked me through uh, during times when we had major decisions to make. So I think it's that 35 years that continues to uh, allow us to grow and become better at what we do um, and never stop learning. Uh, and with Ball State University, it's been that. It's been a remarkable change over the 35 years with a lot of great people come and gone. Yeah, and yeah. I, I want to make sure the audience understands because of some of your guidance yeah. and your mentoring of those people. Yeah. Um, it's got to be frustrating sometimes as a manager to mentor people knowing that they're going to pick up and leave because you yes. mentor them well. Yes, and yeah. that happens. You know, and we hate to lose people. Yeah. We yeah. hate to lose uh, great uh, employees, but I uh, wish them well. Yep. And I know their career paths go off in different directions at times. Yeah. yeah. We're with James Lowe, everybody, the Associate Vice President of Facilities and Planning at Ball State University. We'll be back right after this break. This is WMUN's All Kinds of People with Dr. Joe. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome back to All Kinds of People. I'm with James Lowe, the Associate Vice President of Facilities and Planning and Management at Ball State University. Jim is in his 36th year at Ball State, and Jim, from my perspective, having been at Ball State for 20-some years, I really want to back up and have you, maybe through your memory, think about what were some of the key projects and what amounts to $70 million plus in various repairs and projects. Right. And, and in particular, I'm kind of curious about how whole geothermal thing when I remember the coal trucks finally leaving the West Quad right. and saying, what? No coal trucks? Not coal. What's that all about? Right. What are some of those memories? So I've, I have been asked before, what's, what's, what's your top prior, what's your top project uh, in your 36 I years of Ball State? I repeat that question, repeat but that. thank you. But, uh, but that, that, that is essentially where it goes. And I don't know there is one in particular, but some that resonate certainly are the streetscape projects that uh, came about back in the late 90s and the early 2000s when we were able to redo McKinley Avenue and Neely and Riverside. It simply transformed the campus in many different ways, uh, both mobile and safety and, and other reasons. It's very beautiful as well. 
but uh, the the ability to through the state funding to keep our buildings in good working condition rank right there at the top uh, we have a very low deferred maintenance at ball state university by virtue of the ongoing annual money that we get from the state of indiana and the capital projects we receive we just received 81.6 million dollars to renovate uh, the old arts and communication university theater music and the cap buildings it's by virtue of those types of funding that has allowed us to stay ahead of and keep our campus in good working condition but certainly I would be remiss if I didn't talk about the geothermal project. Um, an interesting project that uh, came about uh, in the actually early 2000 timeframe mm -hmm. uh, when the state funded uh, a portion of the project. Uh, we were able to build out half the project uh, through the support of the state and our president at the time, which happened to be great support from Joanne Gore who was the president at the time, we went back and asked for the remaining funds to complete the project. In total, we spent about $82 million to transform the campus from one that burned fossil fuel to one that's using what we refer to as renewable energy. So we're using the ground's ability to store energy, thermal energy, to heat and cool our buildings. It has reduced our carbon footprint in half. It has reduced our energy use in half. And in today's dollars, probably more than $3 million annually. It's saving us on our utility bill. It was quite an undertaking at the time. It took several years to build out, transform the campus, but uh, we are still called routinely by other universities and countries to learn more about the geothermal project. Yeah, I think that's just incredibly interesting, mm -hmm. and I'm not aware of other campuses that have gone that route, but I just remember that whole geothermal thing I remember the coal trucks over by West Quad mm -hmm. thinking, wow, this is really going to clean things up. Um, and I am curious about the road rehab because laying those bricks down reminds me of cobblestones in Europe, which rarely need repair as opposed to regular concrete. Right. And all of a sudden, we're putting these bricks in. And I can remember colleagues saying, what in the world? But it's so attractive and repair and maintenance seem to be relatively easy. There is, routinely, maintenance yeah. needed because the bricks shift, but sure. it's, it's a combination of two factors, the reasons it, the bricks was applied in the drive paths. One, it defines the location where a pedestrian will cross the street. You probably recall when we had what looked like a three-lane highway through Ball State University, and people would cross wherever they choose to step off the curb. <laughs> By transforming that streetscape into what you see today with those uh, brick pavers as the defining pathway, it tells the driver, who happens to be going north or southbound, there's a potential somebody's crossing the street. It also tells the pedestrian, this is where you cross the street. Yep. And it's really beautiful. And you'll yeah. get to class on time if you follow the path. You will get to class on time if you do so. <laughs> That's the more yeah. important thing, yes. I think, down the road. Um, I really am curious, in your personal lifestyle, mm -hmm. when somebody comes to you like President Gore says, hey, we're going to go with this thing, 80 million bucks, no problem. Put it on your desk. Put it in your planner pad. <laughs> <laughs> do you kind of go home with your head held high saying, oh, my gosh, how are we going to do all this? And we think that was a project that actually was just the other way around. Oh. Um, going in and promoting a project, and uh, that was along with other support 
uh, a name that comes to mind certainly was Tom Kinghorn, who was the VP at the time. Mr. But, Kinghorn. Yeah, Mr. Kinghorn. As you uh, move forward with these types of ideas, you have to build the case, and we did. And it took that support from the president at the time, which was Joanne Gora, to, uh, to move that project forward. And uh, it was what we refer to as a slight risk. But again, knowing the technology, knowing how one had to build out the campus, uh, it, was a, it was a process that uh, was worth taking, and we've proven it. And yes, there were some nights when I probably didn't sleep well at night, but uh, we figured it out. Yeah, and now yeah. we can share, and we do share, those lessons learned and how the process works with other universities so it's not so, um, uh, to them, not as risky. They just have to find the funding. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, in a job like you have, are there things that come up when you find yourself saying, you know, I don't think we're going to do that? Or maybe some pressure sometimes to do something mm -hmm. that you know from an engineering standpoint would not be appropriate? Do you get into those? I'm not, I'm not suggesting arguments, but clearly yeah. you're in a position to trigger some things or put some things to the side, and I don't know how you juggle that sometimes. Well, let me see if I can answer that question this way. Um, and maybe, maybe it's because of being an engineer, you, you are very analytical and so forth. But I, I, I like the terminology I've, 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 I've lived with for years. It's you explore first. Number one, explore. Ah, okay. Second, confirm. Then transition. You do it in that order. And when you transition then, you're in a better place to make those types of decisions. And those decisions come up daily, monthly, yearly. Uh, and some have many different opportunities associated with them uh, that uh, normally include funding. So okay. ultimately it comes down to uh, those types of pathways to determine what is the right way to move forward and what's the best decision for the community and for Ball State University. Sure, sure. Yes. I love those three words. Yeah. Those are very important words mm -hmm. when you're doing projects. Um, clearly you don't have enough to do at Ball State. <laughs> Because you've been the president of the Robin Wood Association for 20-some years, the president of Catalina Swim Club, parent-teacher organization president, coach baseball. What's the scoop? Are you just <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> trying to build that resume up, are you? <laughs> I, you know, it's giving back. And we hopefully can all find ways to give back to our community and uh, continue to do that. And uh, I've enjoyed and, and have uh, the privilege of having lived in Muncie. Muncie has been good to me and my family. And as such, uh, this community uh, can use support from anybody and everybody that wishes to give that support. And you find that pathway or those opportunities that best suit you. And uh, I certainly like the coaching aspect, as you referred to. I, I certainly like dealing with our, uh, I did it for 20 years, Neighborhood Association, and, and different opportunities uh, I've always uh, been interested in helping with the K through 12 opportunity here in Muncie with the different uh, the Blue Ribbon Committee some 13 mm -hmm. years ago, and working with different associations. I really enjoyed coaching in the elementary and the middle school. It was wonderful, and uh, was always interested in in um, the Muncie School Board. 
and at the time though was not interested in um, applying because others were applying and I thought well there's others that were interested at the time until which time uh, the transition was made in 2018 with Ball State University and decided then uh, this was the time and I have enjoyed working with our school board our administrators who have one goal in mind and that's student success and uh, moving our K through 12 system forward and uh, we made I think really remarkable strides doing that yeah, yeah, and much of that comes from some of your leadership, good sir. We've been with Jim Lowe, everybody, the Associate Vice President of Facilities Planning and Management of Ball State. Jim, get back to work uh, <laughs> on campus and get those things done. And thanks so much for being with us and all kinds of people. On WMUN, the talk of Muncie, it's Dr. Joe saying have a good week. <laughs>